0: All right. Good morning, afternoon, whenever the heck you're watching this from. It is Wednesday the 20th, and I know I got a few angry messages this morning because I was bad about telling everyone that we're going to switch the time. If you want to send hate mail, send it to submissions.feelgoodfinance at gmail.com, and make sure you address it to Joey. We have adjusted to his educational schedule. It is what it is. So is. We're going to be doing Wednesday mornings and Friday mornings per usual, uh, new new usual, that is. Uh, so. I want to lead in by saying that the seasonal hiring is going absolutely insane. Like Amazon, Walmart, and Target are going to suck up the world's employees very quickly. Uh, They're prepping for the holiday season. And so I got got some fun numbers for you guys. Just this holiday season, Amazon's taking on 150,000 new employees, just seasonal. Walmart's taking on another 150,000, and Target is taking on 130,000. So that's close to a million or half a million employees that they're going to be sucking up and i'm sitting here wondering we can't find employees to do anything else why would they go work for them do you guys know
1: i don't know but the first thing i think of is all the articles that are coming out um i guess they're just hiring seasonal employees but you see all these things about amazon walmart Uh, i'm not sure if target's doing it but paying for college paying for this and that and and a lot of the benefits that come with those companies
0: that's probably true i know amazon's bragging about their big 18 dollars an hour number in addition to their normal benefits they have and so it's funny. A little anecdotal is I was at dinner with my family today, and they were talking about, oh man, this restaurant can't get any servers, can't get anyone to work here. They even raised the minimum minimum wage and all this stuff, and I, I started laughing out loud. I was like, minimum wage? What are you talking about? Minimum wage in Florida is eight sixty five. No one is working for eight sixty five. If Amazon's paying eighteen dollars an hour, why would you? There's no reason. Minimum wage has become irrelevant. It's just stupid.
1: Yeah, minimum wage is something that you pay a 16-year-old kid who's working their first job in the summers whenever they're not in high school. Yeah. It's not something that you pay a, uh, a fully grown adult, I feel like.
0: I'm in perfect agreement. And I think the system is so kind of broken at this point, And we're in such an odd, strange market that really just doesn't have one explanation. There's like 10 different explanations for this. And they all play together in weird ways that maybe we'll start to finally rethink how we do that. But... All right. So we have a massive tech section today. I think we should get tackling on it. And the first one is awesome. Matt, I think you put this one on. It was the Bitcoin mining power plant raises um, the concern of the environmentalists. This is not a new topic, but if you want to talk about that a little bit, this is something that I find super interesting.
1: Yeah, actually this is uh one i found but i sent it to matt because uh last episode uh some of you might remember we were discussing if it was possible for us to start our own gas and um <laughs> yeah. operations to facilitate this and get rich um but i came across this article um the other morning and it looks like um you need a full-blown power plant initi- <laughs> or essentially, to mine bitcoin and i would yeah. imagine it would be similar for, um, the gas processing fees as well with NFTs. Um, but essentially this one is a, it's called Green Ridge generation. Um, it runs a plant near the shore of Seneca Lake in the Finger Lakes region up North It produces about 44 megawatts and runs 15,300 computer servers plus additional electricity. It sends into the state's power grid and, uh, in the megawatts dedicated to the Bitcoin that they're mining might be enough electricity to power more than 35,000 homes.
0: That's unreal. We're using crazy amounts of power these days. All right, second quick anecdote, because I think you're gonna like this and it's it's on par with this. Uh, I, Jacksonville, JEA, which is the Jacksonville Electrical Authority, is they will actually give you like a $1,500 rebate, $1,500, dollars I don't know. They give you a bunch of money back if you will specifically charge your Tesla between eleven PM and five AM, because that's when no one is using power, and it's just because they're they're under such crazy stress that they have to try to stop people from charging their cars during the day because it's pulling a lot of energy from that, and this leads into something very interesting that has been touched on a lot recently is that we have made like a massive push into renewable energy, and which I'm all for entirely, and I know I think you guys are too. I'm pretty sure, but uh, the point is that the demand has outpace the supply by a ton. Like our, our investment increased really fast and we're like, okay, we can do this, we're ready to go, but we just jumped right into it. And I don't think we're ready, which is another reason why the costs are going up so much. And the reason I can say this is our my, the money we've put into new exploration of gas, which is a good reason for why gas prices are so high these days, has decreased massively. So between 2010 and 2015, it was $100 billion on average per year that we spent digging up new wells. Now it's down to $50 billion and we've tried to subsidize that extra $50 billion purely with renewable energy and force that into the power grid, and it's just kind of a mess at this point. So there's going to be a little bit of growing pains.
1: Yeah, I never considered how much power I guess it would actually take to charge all the Teslas and electric vehicles we're putting out into the market, well, and then when you mix that with the amount of uh cryptocurrency and NFT things going on in the world.
0: I don't think those are a big part of it, but... They're an extra strain on a system that's trying to power an entire city, two cities, counties. Like, I mean, you have to think, what would it take to power a literal city? Like, it's a ton. I mean, yeah. Elon Musk is trying to make the gigafactories and all, but, shoo, I wouldn't want to take that on.
1: No way. And then just one final closing thought on this uh, article before we move on here. Mm-hmm. this uh, Greenridge um, power plant, it mined 729 Bitcoins. Over three months, ending on September 30th, and to put that in a perspective, um, this past week on Friday, one Bitcoin was valued at fifty-nine thousand dollars. They were a- able to mine seven hundred and twenty-nine of those in three months. Jeez,
0: yeah, I mean, if you played your cards right, that's a whole ton of money. The you know the danger of it is that it could it could be you know you have to exchange it into an open market and you might not be able to get that exact price or you might tank it just from the demand. But holy cow. <laughs>
2: For reference, I looked up the values here. So Joey said they kick out 44 megawatts a day. Mm -hmm. So in comparison, to power your average household for a full year is 11 megawatts. That's not very They're only using half of the 44 they kick out a day to do Bitcoin mining. So so just the power for them to do one day of Bitcoin stuff is like two households for a full year.
0: Oh my God. Okay, yeah, that's a lot more than I thought. I heard megawatts and I was like, mega doesn't sound that bad. Giga sounds like a lot, but...
1: Wow. Yeah. That is a lot of power needed. Yeah.
0: I don't think that really justifies the whole thing, but who knows? The future is going to look a lot I different. Yeah, I don't
1: think we're going to be starting our own mind company. <laughs> 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 oh, <laughs> darn. We'll just have
0: to work and do other things. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: All right. Let's move on to the next one. Um, this is interesting. Matt, you actually you beat me to this one. It makes me very happy. So whenever we do the show, we all come in with our own ideas. We do planning beforehand. Uh, chat a little bit and then we jump on and get rolling and so it always makes me really happy when we see the same thing and we both really want to talk about it and so Matt you beat me to Foxconn which is what I wanted to do Uh, so Foxconn is a company from Taiwan that they assemble iPhones based on a contract basis so they they probably put your phone together at some point Um, and that's how they make their money but they were basically like contracted out to start making EVs like they wanted to they wanted to jump into the electric vehicle platform. And I think that's kind of a radical change, go to a phone, go from a phone to a car. Uh, I know Apple's tried to do this before and fell on their face. Despite what they may be saying, I I think an Apple car is a stupid idea. I think Google, the whole Waymo thing is so stupid. They're doing it out in San Francisco, great. I hope you do well, but self ugh, man, automated self-driving stuff is just garbage right now and they need to get off that. But if they could figure it out, it would be cool. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I'm so bearish on it.
2: So the cool thing that I heard about Foxconn was that they're trying to make it open source with their EVs. What does that mean? So like, that basically means that like anybody could go in and modify them. So androids are open source. You can go in and there's a whole lot more that you can adjust and modify with your android phone than you have an apple.
0: That's true. There,
2: like, it's kind of like jailbreaking your iPhone, essentially, because you can go in and adjust a whole bunch of things that are locked in in the settings of an Apple phone. Okay, but and
0: doesn't that lead me to have to think that you could hack someone's car?
2: Um, it doesn't necessarily mean necessarily... Uh, less security, it just means that you could go in and modify yours change it, tune it, do different things make it more personalized in your own way, but it doesn't mean that it's easier for you to hack into the next person's car, it just means it's more modifiable
0: cool, I'm actually on board with that I'm all about modifying stuff I see the other stuff having here that they're making deals with Fiat Chrysler and Fisker, which is interesting because Stellantis is kind of jumping into that kind of thing too, and they are the ones that build, uh, they own Fiat Chrysler, Jeep Dodge Ram, etc. So I'm starting to think if all these companies are kind of converting into the shadows. I know we had the we had the big, the big three it was you know uh, Ford, GM, and then obviously we have Mercedes, BMW, probably not BMW, but. A bunch of the really big car companies that come out recently have been like, yeah, we're totally converting over by 2030, something like that, down with the internal combustion engine. And it's such a radically different statement from what they said, like, two years ago, even. And it it makes me laugh. It's like, these people are so, they're so foolish. It's like, they came out and they, they used always and never, which are words you should just never use in a press conference, ever. But...
2: But doesn't matter for them. I mean, they can use those however much they want and then change their opinion and then still be okay. So no one's going back and saying, you said you never do this we're not going to buy from you for that reason. Yeah, it's just me so screeching, screeching into the, the
0: Twitter void. <laughs> it's literally just me. Because <laughs> nobody else cares.
2: <laughs> It'll be interesting, though. I mean, we got everybody switching over to electric vehicles, which is great. It's fantastic. They're all running on electricity and not kicking out CO2 emissions. Yep. But what we're doing in return is we haven't had an equal match, like you are talking about, in renewable energy to supply that for those cars. Right. So we're not having wind farms, we're even shuttering nuclear plants because they're kind of sketchy for a lot of people their their and so like, we're not having those and there's some of the greenest energy you can kick out. So it's like, we're just swapping up combustion engines for more coal plants and natural gas plants. And I remember back in like, I guess my high school time, JEA was shutting down those type of
0: plants, right? And it's because you know a lot of the garbage is all—it's all public image and all that stuff—and they just want to be able to say that you know we're shuttering all those gas plants and everything. But it's such a complex topic, and it kind of bothers me that we don't look more into it. I mean, the overwhelming themes of the internal combustion engine versus the electric battery are kind of wrong. There, one is good, one is bad, which is just not true. It's a bit of a balance between both. And on top of that, there's so many outstanding factors. And so the argument that I have a lot of times where, and this is usually from people who are a little uneducated in the topic, and that's not to say that I know everything on it. I just, I'm a nerd and I look into it all the time as they say, well, it doesn't really matter because we're still burning gasoline to create the energy to charge your electric vehicle. And I say, well, wait a second, that's true, but we've created a new efficiency because the energy that you get from burning that little bit of gas turns into a ton of electricity that can charge a whole car to run all the way through the week as opposed to having to put, I don't know, 17 gallons of gas into a car that you'll burn through in that same week. That's a whole lot of gas you're burning. And I think it'd be easier too for them to go
2: in and put regulations on these big like, coal plants and big natural gas plants because they can say, okay, you can only kick out a certain amount of emissions and so they put all sorts of different types. I remember my dad worked in a power plant. like So they like had all these scrubbers and filters that they had to push their uh, output through yep. to make sure that basically the only thing they're kicking out is uh, clean air.
0: Yeah, they're just like massive catalytic converters, right?
2: Pretty much, yes. Jeez.
0: Yeah, man, it's kind of backwards. But either way, all right. There's one more piece of this we're going to touch on, and then I think we should move on because we've, we've kicked the crap out of this topic. So there's a bunch of, I think Tesla's involved in this somehow, but they just had the big environmental summit in Glasgow, which I I'm ashamed. I can't tell you exactly where that is. It's somewhere in Europe. And uh, the big overwhelming theme of that was that they're going to start using satellites to pretty much determine where the world's largest polluters are. And it's kind of an interesting topic because it's a lot of governance stuff. And we, and we avoid the politics whenever possible. But what I like about this is that now you get to basically use unequivocal data and say, okay, look, there's this hot spot on the world. Can we cut that down? Because that counts for like three other countries in itself. And I think if you could target the, <laughs> the massive pain points, the less mass, the like the smaller pain points don't have to really change their lifestyle and they can, you know, have an easier shift over. I, I just think it's a really good thing for everyone. I'm, I'm kind of I'm really, really excited to see what happens in the next two years about this kind of thing. I think satellites and space—let's use all that stuff. It's great.
1: I agree, and uh, because a lot of it, and, you know, is just kind of finger pointing. And yeah, we have the numbers, but it's like yeah, it's yeah, they're the world's biggest polluters. They're the world's biggest polluters. But whenever you have the satellite imaging, and it's like, here are the facts. Yep. You can't say the numbers are wrong. You can't say someone miscalculated. This is from a satellite in space. This is what we have.
0: Yeah, it's good. Let's take the politics out of it and get moving. Might as well. All right. Anything else for tech, guys? I
1: think we're ready to keep it rolling.
0: Okay, fantastic. I thought that was going to roll a lot longer. That's good. We got through a ton of content there. which is. Oh, wait, there is one more. I'm so sorry. We're going to go back. All right. So Volkswagen, I I think this is great, too. Volkswagen is trying to retrofit basically all of their entire internal combustion factories into battery plants, and that's all over Germany and Europe. And so this is a big deal because Volkswagen owns a whole buttload of companies. They own, like, everything over there. So Volkswagen owns Audi, Ducati, and Matt, maybe help me out. They own, like, two other brands that do really well for themselves. So they have a ton of cars on the road. And if they're doing this, that means all their subsidiaries are going to be using the same thing. I think that's great.
1: Agree. Them, that's what I was going to say watch them fail the same type of emissions an electric vehicle and just be like <laughs> that would be great. We, we tried. Yeah,
0: it's it's an entirely it's an entirely zero emissions vehicle and they still find a way to somehow fail it.
1: <laughs> yeah, apologize and be like, "Look, we made all these <laughs> Oh my god.
0: I'm sorry." <laughs> yeah. That would be terrible. Oh, those goons. Yeah, they keep trying to cheat and it's ridiculous. I the only gripe I have is that the Volkswagen electric cars are so flippin' ugly. They're ridiculous. They just look like stupid vans with no grill, and I'm, I'm very upset about it. I'm sick of ugly electric cars. I'm so sick of it. And my Twitter feed will pop me up the concept for the, the Tesla Roadster, like, probably once a week or so. And it's gorgeous. It looks like a sexy little Lotus. Like, It's awesome. And I say, I want that. I want that. Where the heck is it? That's beautiful. I don't want to buy a four-door car. I don't like four-door cars. I'll buy you a truck if I want to buy a big car, and I'm going to buy a sports car if I want a small car. End of story. It's easy. It makes sense. Why the heck do we keep designing ugly, stupid electric cars? It's frustrating.
2: I think Elon's keeping the roadster on the back burner. He's just waiting because, like, we just had the Lucid Air come out, and they beat them by a little bit. It's
0: okay, that's a pretty range. car. That's a very pretty yeah. car.
2: And he's just waiting for someone to come out with something that totally blows them out of the water. And then he's going like, okay, by the way, Brewster's coming out next month. Here you go. I like and
0: that just theory. Drop it
2: and blow up the world.
0: Oh, I haven't <laughs> thought about that at all. That's a great theory. That's It's really fun. That's
1: his face up his sleeve. He's waiting.
0: That's so fun. I can't believe I didn't think of that. Did you see his, uh, his tweets about the Cybertruck today?
1: No. What, what you
0: so someone came on and was like, oh my god, I hate the side mirrors in the Cybertruck. Why would you ever have side mirrors? And Elon said, we're legally required to have them. However, we've made them very easy to detach if you so choose. <laughs> <laughs> I love the guy. He cracks me up.
1: Oh, man. He just does whatever he wants. Yeah,
0: well, he, he gives you an out. He, you know, the law, he understands, which is nice, that the law gets in the way sometimes because it's over, we've overlawed everything. And... Ah, It's great, man. My favorite thing on the planet was when California, it was one of the California senators, was tweeting like at him about how horrible he was and his company's ruining everything. Blah blah blah. And he said, All right, message received. Next day, I'm moving to Texas. Bye. Left. (laughs) They're all
1: on the way out, they're all headed to Texas, aren't they? All those big uh, software companies.
0: Yeah, they're trying. I don't know. I don't want to get into that one. That one turns political at some point. All right. so we're going to jump over to real estate. We touched on real estate last week a lot because we were talking about Blackstone and Zillow and how they're having this big old flipping war, just buying from each other and jacking all these prices up. And there was a great report that came out today, which is yesterday for you, if you're listening to this fresh, that Zillow has officially overflipped themselves. So they have a branch of their company that they call it the iBuying Bu- I or something like the iBuyer. I don't know. And it basically like allows you to flip your house, like buy a house, flip it, and sell it back for more. So they have overworked themselves. They've basically overflipped themselves on this. And I don't want to say I called it, but I called it. Uh, they ran out of staff that could like judge these things and could accurately come out there and make an assessment in your house. So they've started making really bad bets, overpaying for stuff, underselling. And it's awesome. It's just a classic story of you totally overexerted yourself. Why did you not see this coming? It blows my mind. And so then we have great, awesome new hot companies like Door who I see advertisements on Hulu all the time, constantly. They'll basically let you do your entire home sale from your home, like phone, not to you know be punny or anything. Genius. You don't have to deal with agents or anything. You literally just do the whole thing, get it over with, boom. Their margins are so much higher than Zillow's apparently. Don't have the exact numbers, but it's great. Better technology, fewer people involved. Love it.
2: So it sounds like Zillow did their own version of Two thousand eight market crash within one company. Yep. It's exactly made right. a bunch of bad bets and now they're
0: paying for it. Uh-huh. Well, they went up and challenged the bigs like Blackstone, who literally run the world, and they lost, which was terrible. The other piece of this is that the acquisition firms are they're all buying each other, which is funny. I read this all I read this in the real estate news like every single day, whenever I you know, I wake up, do my whole thing, and it's like boom, new acquisition company was acquired. I said, Oh, well, that's kind of ironic. It's all like the, like the medium fish are all snapping up the small fish, and then the big fish are snapping up the medium fish in turn, so that everyone's now all under five different layers of names, and it's ridiculous. That got me thinking, like, could prices realistically rise forever? And I literally gave myself a headache trying to think up how this would work today. It was awful. And what I came to was, like, we've had such a heck of a past two years of a crazy market run. Prices are going crazy. Inflation's catching up. Wages have now risen pretty much across the board. And everyone's just generally unhappy and grumpy. Uh, So I was like, the only way this would actually work is we could continuously buy everything forever. And prices could go up. But that would require a constant issuance of new debt, new money printing. Uh, The Fed would have to be buying up that debt constantly. The markets would have to be fluid as anything. The Wages would have to constantly rise at a steady rate. And my head hurts again just thinking about it. It's miserable. So instead, I'd rather forget that headache and just, let's just have a market crash and just be done with it. I'm sick of it. Just get the hangover out of the way.
1: Yeah, if it's, yeah, un- yeah. <laughs> I was saying, if it's inevitable, might as well, right?
0: I don't know. I just, we're going to get exhausted at some point. And I'm I'm tired just thinking about it. And we've been calling it for so long. I hate when people call it doom and gloom because it's never actually doom and gloom, but God, like, you just at some point you have to stop drinking and accept that there's a hangover. It's gonna that's happen. A great,
1: that's a great point. When people call doom and gloom, it's it's never actually doom and gloom. No. And that makes me think of something someone once told me. I forget who it was. It might have been one of the football coaches I had in, in my past, but they said uh, it's never as bad as you think, and it's never as good as you think. That's true. Uh, so you mean I know. That's I find that true for a lot of things in life. If you're anticipating a market crash and they keep telling you it's going to be the Great Depression, it's it's not going to be as bad as you think. But, um, yeah, but you're also not going to get you, rich you know, in a day. Yeah, same with highs. I mean, if they tell you that something's going to shoot up after that and it's going to be a new all-time high, everyone's going to get rich, it's never going to be as good as you think.
0: Yep. Naval Ravikant says that too. He says something about um, it's like 80% of the problems and solutions we create are all in our imagination. None of it's real life, which I agree with. Okay. Well, my head hurts from thinking about the economics behind a constant bull market for the rest of my life. So Joey, can you take over for crypto? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep, absolutely. <laughs> we'll get into the crypto and DeFi world here. And Matt actually found this one as well. Um, and, and he found that Steam has banned games that enable crypto and NFT trading, which is a very interesting um, thing for Steam to do. They're almost hindering themselves uh, towards a future market here that that is being created before our very eyes, where there's gonna be a lot of profitability um, in the future, I believe. Um, but it's funny because their competitor, Epic Games, has already come out and said um, they're welcoming crypto and NFT games on their platform. Um, But they have said for any of these games to be allowed on their platform, all of them must comply with some financial laws, very ambiguous terminology they use, as well as their own, as well as they have to use their very own uh, payment services. So whether they run on Ethereum, uh, Bitcoin, um, I don't know, any of the other plethora. Um, But uh, I know one of them right now coming out is Alluvium, and we've talked about that before on the show, but it's been a very long time when we did like a little touch and go on it. Um, but it's a game built on the Ethereum blockchain. Um, and it, it has had some significant prog- progress since we last talked about it. You can now register for it. Um, and from just the initial look of it, it's saying it's gonna be an open world RPG adventure game. And it almost looks like a type of Pokemon collect them game. Um, you draft your starters, your starting monsters, um, you know, you go up against challenges to be the best. You want to outsmart and counter your opponent strategically to place uh, in a higher ranking competition. Um, and obviously, there's a, each of these little monsters you collect, I guess, pocket monsters are, are worth a certain value. And, uh, and it's all through their currency, Alluvium, um, which is a, a cryptocurrency. Um, But right now, they have a roster of over 100 different alluvials, is what they're calling them, that populate this alien world. Uh, And like I said before, it's all backed on the blockchain.
0: That is a massively long way of saying video games and real money and real work are all combining into one.
1: Yep, it's all merging. And that's what I don't get why... uh, I mean, I kind of get why Steam would do that because it's going to be a financial headache at some point for someone. The SEC is (laughs)
0: drooling right now just watching them.
1: Yeah, but Epic Games has, has uh, you know, taken on that risk by saying, hey, we'll take your games on our platform. Um, but obviously they haven't outlined the financial laws that they're going to have to comply with. All they've said right now in a formal statement is they will have to comply with some financial laws. I,
0: I, oh, my God. That's ridiculous. So this is just this is another another classic case of they're pretty much just trying to, like, not get in trouble because they're having to they're, they're like the rules aren't written for this kind of thing. And they don't want them to be written and just be the first ones to lose. Did, did you see what the SEC said today or yesterday, I guess, about um, the meme stock rally?
1: <laughs> What'd they say?
0: So they officially, you know, eight months later, published their final r- investigative report about, well, you know, we took eight months to look at it. And we decided that um, the market is officially effective. And I was like, dude. That is the lamest way of saying that we are completely obsolete in every way and we've realized it and we're just gonna start imposing more rules. It is so stupid. I, I was mad. Like I was actually mad about this.
1: They, I just think a group of people got paid a lot of money to do that research and publish that report. Oh my like god, eight months. They
0: they sucked up so many tax dollars, literally sitting there and being like, Hmm, yes. No, I guess liquidity does exist. And then they went on there and, oh my God, it made me mad. And So they went on to say, well, you know, we've decided that Robin Hood really didn't do anything wrong. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? They literally froze trading, got their own bets on their own board of directors out of the system, and then dumped everything on the small shareholders. I, it's so corrupt and I'm so sick of it. Unbelievable. But uh, it's supposed to be a feel-good channel. And it just bums me out that there's morons like that out there.
1: Hard not to gripe over some things like that, especially whenever you have Vlad, the owner of Robino, just smiling at everyone's face on oh, every talk show. Just cheating. Man. Yeah,
0: just cheating on everything. So, I all right, the happy version of this is that when the blockchain is fully adopted and everything, these people won't be able to hide and everyone's gonna be, have to be honest or you're gonna have to be punished. So look forward to that, it's gonna be wonderful. These cheaters won't be able to get away with it forever.
1: Yep, they'll be caught eventually um, and brought down. But one final note mm-hmm. on the uh, on the you know crypto and NFT video games here uh, a good point that was raised between us three is if whenever you zoom out are in game skins and uh, any type of cosmetics that you can buy any different than NFTs in their own way because you're kind of buying the rights to use that skin or that uh, I guess you can't really pay for advantages in most games I guess some you can but anything cosmetic in like Fortnite percent.
0: Right. So a different way of looking at this I think is as I was speaking with my my programmer buddy the other day and the NFT is not the physical look or the thing itself. The NFT is the piece of code that is attached to that thing. So you could quite literally make anything an NFT and if you could assign a specific piece of code that you could purchase or sell to any of these any any anything video game wise then yeah, technically it becomes a tradable asset.
2: that was my question like because both you and me john we play warframe which has lots of different skins and weapons and this type stuff and it has its own currency within game as you can trade these with and that type thing in its own markets how is that any different than this next game that's coming out other than the fact that it literally says the new game that's coming out literally says it's attached to it in ft marketplace and all Right. right the same thing it just doesn't have the like crypto attachment
0: I agree with that. And tech companies are gonna be really smart if they can create games in which you can use your actual money to win and profit. And people, are, if people are rewarded in the physical world for outperforming others in the digital world, that creates a market in itself, and that is value.
1: Yep, and I, I feel like at its base, uh, the largest difference right now between um, a cosmetic you can buy in a game and an NFT is is like we said that code that it that it is behind that thing yep. in the blockchain. Like there's a specific code and whenever you buy that thing, you're essentially buying that unique code and no one else in the world owns that code but you.
2: That's
0: exactly right. And it's the you're scarcity right. that creates it. It's that there may have been what 500 original Babe Ruth baseball cards, but you know what? You've got, number, you've got number 312 and number 312 is valuable in its own way, especially if you can attach that number to something else. It's all sales, but it's just different kind of sales.
1: Next generation sales. All right. I think we've run that one into the ground.
0: Yep, We did good there. All right. We're going to do a five second quick little stop for logistics reasons. Uh, for you, it's going to be two seconds and then we're going to be right back. See you in a sec. Okay, we're back. So we're going to jump into Matt's topic and then wrap us all up, and it's going to be good to go. Sound good? Cutting four. All righty. Matt, you're up.
2: All right. So for today, for my Matt's Medical Minute, <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about how medicine's going into the tech world. So with everything how it's been the past two years, tech is a major playing field as medicine for medicine going forward. And we're having a lot more instances of telehealth. You're uh, on the phone with your doctor, on Zoom with your doctor, texting them, that type of thing. So the issue is, is going forward is that how a doctor's going to bill. Like historically, there's codes that for all the doctors, whatever treatment they do, the actions they do in office, uh, the prescriptions that they make, anything that they do, there's a code in a computer, they plug that in, it's uh, attached to a value. But going forward, how do we do this? Like, is a video call worth the same? Like, can you charge for texts? Like, if how does this work?
0: If you're a private practice, can't you just decide yourself?
2: I mean, I assume you can, but like, there's a lot of different weird laws that are in place for doctors. Like, there's specific ones that like apply. There's one called MTALA, which basically means that under that law, you can't turn away any emergency patient. Does that apply the same to someone who has an emergency question over the phone, text, or Zoom?
0: It's a good point. I guess that we have to just write new rules at some point. Um, so for the public practices, I, I do have to wonder is like, um, man, yeah, that's, that's a lot of funding that's going to go into something different. So my, my immediate thought went to like mental health stuff because I know psychology and that type of thing is like a big new industry. I get maybe not new, but it's, it's becoming a big industry at least because you can reach so many people over the phone so quickly now.
2: Right. And that's great if you're in a field like psychology or psychiatry, whatever it may be, where you don't have to physically touch someone. You just need the interaction, the face-to-face or even just voice. Yep. But like, I don't know, people are having more medical devices in their homes now, whether it be on their phones and their watches that are becoming more and more available for them to do a lot of the tests that doctors would do in office just for your general checkup. But, like, if you're doing these, is it the same value to you? Do, are you willing to pay more for the convenience of staying at home, or are you going to want to pay less because you're not getting that in-person experience with a doctor who's physically there touching you, checking you out?
0: Uh, Joey, help me out here. I would think a subscription model will work pretty well. As like That would come to mind, as I would think, you know, for someone who knows that they require a decent amount of medical help. You, could, you, could, you know offer different amounts of time, but basically have like an all-in-one package that was the most expensive and say, all right, I will be available at any time for you simply because you're paying me quite a bit of money. And then for someone like me who, I, not to brag, really don't have much wrong with me medically, I wouldn't do anything like that. I would have no need for it. I would just pay on an as-we-go basis, which would probably be a flat fee.
1: I think it's a uh, subscription-based model is genius here. Sorry.
0: Yeah, you okay? <laughs>
1: oh, I've had a little, a uh, little cough here the past couple of days. It's been uh, bringing me down. Oh no. But, so maybe I do need a subscription-based model yeah. that would be convenient. I could t- <laughs> hop on a video call and see what the hell's going on with this cough I got. Do great I the great
0: segment on? there.
1: <laughs> I can confirm though I do not have the Rona. So, but. I think if you had different tiers to a subscription-based model, like you were saying, I don't know, maybe one allows you uh, one checkup every six months. One allows you one yearly checkup. One allows you X amount of emergencies. Um, I don't know. I don't know how you could segment it. I'm not in the health world, but I feel like there are ways you could segment like premium care, standard care, uh, care plus, um, different type of levels.
0: I know exactly where Matt's going to go with this. How can you turn someone down if someone's like texts you and they're like, "I'm having a heart attack," and you're like, "Yep, sorry, you're not paying for that." Well,
1: you need the, you need the clause. <laughs> like, yeah. okay, no matter what level you're at, if you are dying, we we'll,
0: will help. We'll deal with it later. We'll just, <laughs> seriously. We'll, we'll, we'll just write it up. It'll be all right.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's the little is
2: like under the M T L law, they are required. If someone comes to you in an emergency, you're required to provide treatment. You can't turn that patient away. Right. But if someone has access to twenty four seven via video call, text, instant message on your doctor website, how do you work that out? I mean, especially if like it's your primary care physician, like the person you go to at your little family doctor's office in town, like that's not who you go to in an emergency. That person's there to do checkups, ear infections, flu, that type of thing. They're not there if you're having a heart attack, really. That's not their section.
0: I think I could that's solve this. And you can you can definitely correct me, because I'm sure I'm ignorant about this, but I think we've I think we have overqualified doctors. Like why don't we just have people who are less qualified and have them in the office too, so they can handle all that kind of day-to-day stuff, and then you have the you know, the two surgeons or whatever that could do the really complicated stuff. The surgeons don't need to be on the phone with someone who's having a cough.
2: And that's exactly why we have the like PAs and NPs, the physician assistants and the point. nurse practitioners. These people nowadays, they also have doctorate degrees, even though they're not a physician. They are supposed to fill that role of like, okay, they know a lot, not quite anywhere as much as a doctor, but they can fill that position of answering those questions and that type of thing. So I think that's probably where this would fit in better. Yeah. Is with them, where you can answer the questions like, hey, I've I missed my med, should I double up the next day or should I uh, just wait it out?
0: Well, you know, we have a great solution for that already. Uh, It's called Google.
2: (laughs) But it's hard because like with medicine, especially with all new drugs coming out and you really don't want to get information on your heart medicine from like uh, Quora or Wiki Answers type thing. That's not where you want to go for medical information.
1: Even WebMD is hot trash
0: right i was just being an asshole
1: yeah i don't know about <laughs> you guys but i convince myself i have a life-threatening illness at least once a year just by googling symptoms and i'm like oh it's the end this I, is it
0: i'll talk <laughs> myself into something sometime and then i'll go to sleep and wake up and it'll be gone and i've just forgotten about it
1: <laughs> my rules if,
2: my rules if it doesn't last more than three days then it's nothing to worry about
1: yep
0: Totally agree. You can complain later. And I'm just waiting for you and a couple of my other friends to figure out you can charge me for your time because every time I have an issue, I just text you guys. I'm like, any of my friends that are in medical school or PA school, I'm like, hey, uh, this is happening. Should I be worried? And you guys are like, oh, no. Or, oh, yes, just do this. And I'm like, oh, great. Thanks. You're just (laughs) going to send the Venmo request for five bucks at some point. (laughs)
1: That's smart. You might have just got a new Venmo client. <laughs>
0: yeah, that would be. Hor- I'm not paying you. I'm just. I'm. I'm gonna keep going to other people until everyone figures it out simultaneously, and I have no one else to go to.
2: It's one of those things where, kind of like before you got all your certifications, you weren't allowed to give any financial advice and that type of thing. Well,
0: That's I think still not technically weren't
2: allowed to do it either legally. Yeah. So still <laughs> not allowed to. Charging would be bad.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. I don't. I, SEC, don't arrest me, please, God. If I wake up and there's a guy in a black suit standing outside my window, oh man. <laughs> you you got to be real careful. That's as well, that's why the the only things that we say are actually financial advice is if it has nothing to do with anything. We'll be like, yeah, don't spend stupid amounts of money on things you can't pay back. That's financial advice. Boom, done. Don't uh, don't don't take my advice to buy naked Tesla calls at any time. <laughs> don't do that, please.
1: Or dump all your money into a, an NFT.
0: Oh my god, yeah, yeah. Go buy a red panda, everyone. I I still want one very badly, but. Either way, that's fun. Um, you know, you have posed an interesting question that I'm gonna start thinking about. If you have any submissions, again, submissions.feelgoodfinance at gmail.com. We definitely wanna hear from you on this kind of stuff. I love talking about this ish and you know, if we get stuff, we'll bring it up on the show.
1: Yes, please reach out. We'd love to hear from our audience. Even if it's just criticism, all criticism's good criticism because it makes us better. Yeah,
0: send hate mail to our Twitters.
1: <laughs> yeah, and if you don't like the new Wednesday episodes, that is on me, and it's going to have to stay that way until December sure, because of grad school. Boo.
0: Yep. All right. I think that wraps us up for all the basic stuff and the specific stuff all in one. Joey, do you have yourself a quote today, or are we going to be waiting for 20 minutes?
1: I do. I have a great quote from another author, uh, one of my favorites. Um, Her name is J.K. Rowling. You may have heard of her. Is that her name? (laughs) The quote is, It is impossible to live without failing at something, unless you live so cautiously that you might as well not have lived at all, in which case you fail by default.
0: I love that. I like that a lot. All right. I got a quick counter quote. I think you're going to like this too charisma is the ability to project confidence and love at the same time i love that natural born leaders are able to do both
1: that's
2: perfect
0: all right matt you got anything else
2: nope that's all good for me i not prepare quote like y'all probably will start doing that now
0: you don't no, have to it. i i just like to i just like to outdo joey
2: well i just finished doing, so i'll get some good quotes out of that
0: i love it yeah sci-fi stuff always has it okay that gets everything done for now so
2: that means we're gonna see you on friday
1: See you back Friday.
2: Have an awesome week. See you.